Welcome back to Sports Business Secrets. Today, we have another amazing guest on. It is Eric Pincus, who is a national writer for Bleacher Report, a salary cap strategist, and the host of um, some classroom sessions in Sports Business Classroom. Eric um, is an expert at what he does. He obviously produces great content about current situations in the NBA, um, trades, roster situations, other CBA case studies, and things of that nature. Uh, but it's not very often that you get to um, understand uh, the story about how experts in this industry actually got to where they are. So today we talked about his first job as a journalist, uh, when he learned how important networking is, why and how he started his second career, uh, when he really started to understand the CBA um, and salaries and player contracts and, and, and the opportunities that that opened up for him. Sports Business Classroom, of course, and the courses that they teach and the programs that you should look into if you're interested in getting into the NBA. Um, a little bit about the CBA. Uh, he gave some 101, let's say, tidbits um, and, uh, and much more. So uh, per usual with a guest, take out, your, uh, take out your pen and paper, and I hope you enjoy. Eric, welcome to Sports Business Secrets. Yes, sir. Thanks for and having we me. have we have uh, we have a lot to dive into today. So, uh, as you know, in the beginning, I always like to preface it: we we dive behind the scenes on this podcast and share some sports business and life secrets uh, with the audience that they can't necessarily just Google or find online. So today, we uh, I'm excited to share with the audience all about your journey from from journalist to salary cap expert to instructor to consultant and uh, a man of many hats, many many things in between. So before we get started, I'd like to give my guests, uh, you know, 60 seconds or a little couple minutes here to tell the audience about your background, where you grew up, where you went to school, sure. and then we'll go from there. Uh, well, I went to UCLA uh, and I studied psychology and political science. So uh, you don't always end up specifically where, where you study. Uh, I knew I wanted to graduate. I needed a degree, uh, but that wasn't really, um, you know, how I got to where I am now. Uh, although it contributed, certainly, and I learned how to write, and I learned a lot at at college. I just don't actually practice my my specific majors, I guess. But uh, I was doing, you know, uh, living my life, doing other things in life. This is my second career, and uh, at some point, I realized like there's a job that pays you to go to basketball games and to be a part of that world. So yeah, sign me up. It's like, how do I get into that? Was kind of the you know, that, that spark of motivation of like, okay, that you could, there is something that I'm already going to the games. I'm, I mean, I'm paying money to go. I might as well get paid to be there. And then, um, you know, very quickly reached that goal, which is kind of crazy, but I started writing in the early days. Of the internet was, um, you know, uh, for whatever reason, people seem to like what I do. And, uh, and from there, uh, I eventually developed that into a connection with a, a website called hoops world which is now defunct and what hoops world had. Uh, and at the time we weren't really even getting paid. I mean, it was like, you, you know, the money was breadcrumbs, but uh, you know, eventually it paid something, but um, you know, initially it was like nothing, but what, what happened was, is uh, you know, they got me in the building and they had connections with, in this particular case, the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, the Lakers were not very internet friendly uh, at the time. We could debate whether they are still or not. Uh, but at the time they were like, they had no idea what, I, you know, what, what we were. Uh, but going to Clippers, uh, you know, they needed the publicity and um, I treated them fairly just as a reporter is supposed to, as far as, you know, judging them based on, on what, you know, this isn't maybe in the Elton brand era. Uh, and so, uh, 
you know, I got to go to road games for the Clippers, which were home game. Well, wait, no, sorry. I got to go to home games for the Clippers, which were road games for the Lakers. Got to know the Lakers there, uh, like their PR staff, et cetera. And then eventually, you know, you know, over time, this is, you know, I'm condensing a few years into a few sentences. Of course. Uh, they let me into the building with a, you know, press pass. And then eventually became a regular guy covering the team and, and managed to get a job with the LA times uh, through becoming good at what I do working exceptionally hard and finding that I had um, areas that for whatever reason I was particularly, you know, that I was capable of and maybe even good at uh, enough to um, you know, build a following and, uh, you know, be a professional and all the sort of things I need to do. And then I moved on to Bleach Report where I still am currently writing. And uh, in 2016, I hooked up with Larry Kuhn uh, with uh, Sports Business Classroom. Uh, Larry's the godfather of salary cap uh, education, I guess. And, um, you know, along the way, I special, I became more of a specialist in, in, in what I do, uh, as a salary cap expert. And that's sort of grown into teaching through sports business, classroom, tutoring, helping agents pass the exam, I guess not agents yet, but once they get to me, they do pass the exam. And then, uh, you know, I, I unofficially consult with some teams, uh, help some agents, uh, get players to contract, uh, with strategy and things like that. And I, you know, I've, I've done NBA TV. I've done uh, a lot of fun stuff. So can't, can't complain. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. So it just, it started as an idea and then it was just, how do you make it happen? And then along the way, like, if I'm going to do this, I should do it right and become good at it and become the best I can be at it. And I think I've put, um, you know, I've put in the time, so uh, there's no magic path or secret, but that's, that's the path I took. Definitely. I love it. And so, you know, I, I know you mentioned uh, studying psychology and, and political science, and it's funny because a lot of people that you talk to that are, I guess, in any industry, really, you know, they don't, it's very rare that you know exactly what you want to do, or you end up exactly where you are, right? So for you early on, obviously, you had a, had a passion and or, or a skill set, at least uh, a very good one of writing and journalism. Um, is that like, did you ever have an idea that you wanted to be working in the NBA when you were young? Or did you have other career aspirations? Or um, where was that seed planted, question. I guess? Like, so not not growing up because I, you know, I did a million other things. I have like a software background. I do, you know, I worked in the event business for a very long time, event planning. Uh, and it was just, I, you know, I, I loved the game. I would go to watch you know I, mean, I guess this is probably in la around the nick van exel era of the lakers uh the clippers were not very good but i would get the 10 game package so you would see michael jordan you'd see you know hakeem you'd see the lakers uh and whatever barkley whoever would come and play this is at the sports arena which is no no longer in existence uh so i mean it was just something i was passionate about doing and so i started to get season tickets and things like that and those things are you know those are expensive <laughs> and so it's like if I'm going to go, I might as well go and get paid. And now I, you know, I, I can go to any game in, in any, you know, any NBA game with just a, an email to the PR people. I don't travel too much. I travel a little bit, um, but I've established myself, myself enough that I, you know, I've, I've been pretty fortunate. So I, I can't complain. I don't know if there was a specific moment where I said, I want to do this. And I work with people like some great colleagues who have been, you know, they wanted to do journalism from high school on or elementary school on. And I can't say that that's where I started. Um, and I, you know, I, I was never going to be a good basketball player. I mean, that was, I was a better football player. I was a better baseball player just by my natural 
ability. I just, I'm not very tall, five, uh, seven. I am better. Uh, I'm uh, you know, growing up in my prime. I was very strong and was very uh, good horizontally, but not a, a vertical athlete. Right. So, you know, basketball is more of a vertical game and, and football is more of a horizontal game. So I was better at football. Uh, but you got to do what you love. And I didn't love football. I was never going to, you know, go on to the NFL. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's, there's a certain amount of, of following your dreams. And sometimes people feel like, well, it's too late for me to follow my dream because I'm 30, but 30 is young. And that's about when I started my second career. And so to say like, you know, cause we, we do have students at sports business class where most of them are college or just graduating college level, but we also get students who are 40 or 50 or 30 or whatever in, in different ranges. And some of them have gone on to, to, to great things and in the field. And it's, it's not really a matter of, of age. And, you know, certainly some positions are going to be more geared towards younger. And when I say younger, it usually means, you know, lower pay, you know, like if you're starting out and you're 23 and you're just finishing college and there's, you know, 30 NBA teams and yeah, there's agencies and there's, you know, networks, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do besides just working for a team. Plus there's almost 30 G league teams. And then there's all the international teams and, you know, there's, there's so many opportunities, but still the demand versus the supply, there are more people who want to do it than there are positions to do it. And so typically you, know, you have to start it, you know, like I said, when I started writing, I was making pennies. I mean, there was like literally in the very early days, we picked up like a bunch of player sites. Cause that was before Twitter. It was before Facebook. It was before, um, you know, more popular, obviously TikTok and, you know, general specialized sites where you, back then everyone had to have their own website and that's where you would. So I'd work, worked for like Chauncey billups.com or something like that, or mm -hmm. Al Harrington. And I would like, you know, write once a month or twice. I forget what it was once a week or once a month material on their site and maybe it paid 30 bucks like for the month, you know, it was like nothing relatively speaking. It was nice to get paid to do it at all. Um, but you're getting into the gym and you're getting access to the players. And I get to sit and have a conversation with Chauncey Billups, which you know, is, is certainly worth my time. Um, so, you know, it, starting out, it's not always about the money and there are better things when it, you know, if money is your, your priority above doing what you love to do, then there are better things to do. But if this is your passion and, and this is what you want to do and you're willing to sacrifice and, you know, have to, you know, I work for multiple people. I work for sports business classroom, bleacher report. I tutor, I, you know, I do a lot of little things to, uh, you know, make sure I make ends meet. Uh, that's always been the way I've been. I've just, you know, that's how I operate. But generally speaking, um, you know, there are more lucrative ways to just make a steady income and have better hours. Uh, but you might not be going to basketball games and hanging out with, you know, get spending years and years around Kobe Bryant, you know, like you, you can't purchase something like that. For sure. And I'm glad you said that too. And we're going to talk about getting into the business and maybe some of your, um, some of your recommendations about how people can get their foot in the door. But, but I want to double click on something you said, because you talked about supply and demand, because people that are listening to this might be current GMs or, or aspiring pros or youth basketball players or aspiring collegiate players. And you have to realize that whatever path you go into in sports, whether you're, you're going to be a journalist or you're going to be an agent or a coach or a player or whatever it is, it's oversaturated. Everybody wants to, everyone wants to be involved. Everyone wants to have a job. And so, you know, you have to identify what you're good at, but also what you're willing to sacrifice in order to get there. And obviously I think, you know, your story speaks for itself where you didn't start your second career until you were 30. And, you know, like for, for my young listeners here, if you're uh, in school 
you can't expect to be an assistant coach in the NBA next year. It's just, it's not a reality. So uh, I think your, your, your story is a great testament to how you can kind of, you know, knock on doors and then go along to the next one and knock on doors, wait till you find the right one and, and kind of deep dive into it. So um, one thing that I wanted to ask you about your, your first job in sports, like the journalist stuff, you know, you mentioned getting access to a lot of these, these players and coaches and obviously NBA all-stars. So what's something that, that I guess you learned from those first 10 years or something that surprised you that you were able to um, see firsthand that you didn't expect, whether it was like, Hey, wow, these NBA players aren't as crazy as the media seems, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, they're, they're worse than it seems in this angle. Like what was something that surprised you that people wouldn't, wouldn't think? Uh, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, players are, you know, they're people too. So, I mean, I don't know about surprise. I mean, because, you know, the way I grew up, where I grew up, I was around a lot of wealth uh, and my, my folks didn't come from wealth and we ended up doing well enough. Uh, but we were around a lot of wealthy people and like happiness doesn't necessarily come from money. Uh, it can help things and certainly ha- not having money. And, and, you know, if there's medical, there's a lot of reasons to be upset if you don't have money, but if you have money and you're still miserable, then, uh, you know, who do you blame? What do you blame? So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, have enough, had enough wisdom or experience, life experience to know that like, you know, just cause you have money, you still have to understand like these are anywhere from 18 to, you know, 30, 40 or LeBron, you know, they're in the, they're nearing 40, but like, these are young men, mostly, uh, young adults who are, you know, trying to figure out life. And, and, uh, I'll say that like talking to a player who is six, 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 seven feet tall, and it doesn't matter how old I am. I feel like I'm talking to like, uh, you know, like a, an authority figure because, you know, you're, you're, it's just, you know, if you're looking up to someone, you feel like, oh yeah, they're, they're like a, an adult and I'm a kid. Uh, so like you get over that. But um, like, I mean, what I didn't really understand initially was how the whole networking aspect of the business works. So if there was something I didn't really know, I don't know about surprise. It was just as more as, um, like you, you can't just go and be great at what you do in and of itself, because yes, you need to also do that. Uh, but if you're doing work and no one sees your work, or if you're not making the connections uh, that you need to make, then you're basically on an island. And there are people who've had success being antisocial. And I don't want to say like antisocial, like, you know, being rude, but like you have to actively put yourself out of a comfort zone of like, Maybe you don't want to just go out and start talking to someone. And, and you know, it, it's similar-ish to, you know, learning how to to date someone or, you know, you have to ask for a number. You have to, like, make that first contact and you have to uh, feed that contact so that, like, there's a back and forth so that you don't forget about each other and work on a relationship. And that goes through, um, you know, you could have people you've been friends with for 10, 20 years if you've done this long enough that at this point, you know, it's not like a source right? It's more just like, this is someone I've been friends with for two decades. And how many people can I say in my life, like from elementary school, high school that I'm like still close with, I might be closer with them. Uh, these, these sources who are just people I'm friends with at this point. And like, we may not all go out and hang out. And some of the relationship needs to be more on the, on the download based on responsibilities. Like if I'm, I'm in the media and there with the team, we can't just go out and, and like be in a public setting, but we can still have a very good relationship via phone text uh, or when we're to, you know, in have the opportunity to hang, we hang, but it's not, you know um, it's not something you would do like right out in front of the team's GM, you know what I mean? So 
For sure. Uh, so there just to, like the networking thing, the friendship thing, the it, it takes time to learn how to do that, but it's important. And it's not just to the, it's not just up, you know, and I say that with quotes because it's, you know I mean? It's not like you have to be kind and friendly to the people that you're trying, you know, that you're motivated to do. Like I'm, I treat, you know, the same people. Like I know guys who sell tickets outside the arena who I like have seen for, you know, for a decade who are just like, Hey, what's going on? And you know, just be friendly to people. And you just don't know who's who, where's what, how they impact you. And in general, I think it's a good idea to just be generally friendly anyway, kind to people. And I've had, I think, some level of success from that. Definitely. I, I mean, I think, and that was going to be, you know, you started talking about networking and relationships and it's a buzzword for sure, but it is probably the single most important thing in, I guess, in life, but obviously in this industry to be able to build those relationships because those are what's going to open doors for your next career steps. And so for you, what's, what's one way that you've been able to genuinely build a relationship with someone like, you know, for a listener that maybe is struggling to get a connection with someone or, or somebody that's in the business that is struggling to really build those relationships. Like what's something that you, you've done in order to actually, you know, give value or, or, you know, build a right. stronger relationship genuinely, instead of just trying to, like you said, you know, be kind to someone just because. Uh, well, I don't know if there's one specific because that, you know, every human and you know, everyone's different. So you have to kind of meet them where they are and understand, like, like I said, it is, there's some similarities to dating where if you are in a, a maybe a state of like over eagerness that could come off as desperation, it can be a turnoff. Um, uh, I've found, I think what's worked for me, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand by just doing what I believe to be good work uh, over a long period of time. Uh, I built up enough of a reputation where I think some people were like, I've had people with some teams reach out to clarify on something that was confusing in terms of, you know, a salary cap analysis where it's the rules are gray and the way I'm describing it, they're like, you know what, that's really close, but there's one nuance. Here's the nuance that you missed. And I'm like, Oh, wow. And then we, you know, you, uh, like some, I've had one, one person, like they just won't email me or text me unless it's to their advantage. But then when we see each other, we have a great conversation and we, we have a great in-person relationship. And so I'm not going to hammer that person with texts or emails because it's not like that doesn't work for them. I mean, when they need something, they'll, they'll reach out to me. So it's like, is that a healthy friendship? Like it's not necessarily necessarily like a two way great relationship where I can, you know, so you have to like, you know, the, the, you have to understand these are professional relationships and they're, you know, even with the person I described, you know, or people I've described that I've been with friends with for a couple of, you know, decades or whatever, like there are some levels of like, I have to write what I write, which is the truth, in my opinion, at least what I see is the truth. Sometimes you have to be difficult on, you know, a team did this, a player did that. Um, but I do it respectfully that so there, there's a certain level of if you're writing, if you're not searching for like gotchas, searching for like, if the tone of what you're writing isn't you can be jaded. There are things I'm jaded about. I try not to be jaded, but you know, I try not to like get bogged down in that, in how I write, try to you know, treat people with the, like that level of respect. And then also I'm not someone who's um, hunting to prove like, Oh, I know stuff. So I've got to write on everything I hear. 
uh, because I found that for me, at least, and again, everyone's different. Uh, but for me, the currency of information, I'd rather know what's going on than report what's going on. Mm-hmm. And by having that approach, I feel like what I do report is more grounded and, and accurate because um, the relationships aren't, don't, they don't feel as transactional to the people I communicate with because I'm not just like hitting them up for information and then writing everything we just talked about. And like, they don't feel used And at least that's the intent. That's, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for how everyone I talk to feels, but at least that's how I like to feel, or at least like to think that's how I make people feel where I'm not using them for information. I'm we're talking about hoops, whatever it might be uh, in relation to their team relation to another team. Some teams, I have friends with teams who flat out like won't talk about their team period, no matter what. I never get a single word about their team, but they certainly love to gossip about other teams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. you know what I mean? So some of it is, you know, triangulating that kind of information from multiple people and sort of honing in and sharing information. And, you know, I, you, if you're, you can't just be hitting someone for information and not also telling them what you're hearing, you know what I mean? And you have to have something that you're offering in information that maybe they haven't thought of. If you're telling them everything they already know, then, you know, what do they need you for as far as a source again, because it's a borderline friendship slash mutual symbiotic. Someone might even say slash parasitic kind of relationship at times. Like it depends on the person depends on the situation. I try to have a positive kind of symbiotic thing, but they're not, you know, that's not always how they go. So, and like I, the people like Adrian Wojnarowski, Shams Trani, guys who are the top newsbreakers, there's a ton more, you know, Mark Stein, I've known forever. Um, you know, Chris Haynes, like guys who have relationships either with players or with teams or with agents who are breaking news constantly. And I, I love what they do and I respect what they do. Um, I do it what I, I do what I do, which is different. Uh, and what they do is each different to each other. So someone like a Shams or a Woj, they constantly put stuff out nonstop of like, you know, what this, this has happened, this has happened, transactional stuff. And that's not what I'm chasing. I'm chasing mm-hmm. uh, more information so I can do what it is, whatever it is that I do without sort of damaging relationships by treating them as like transactional. Not to say that that's what they do, but, you know, as far as damaging relationships, they just have a different role than I do in, in whatever it is that we do. For sure. I, yeah, I love currency of information is huge. And, and I think, you know, I, I took a couple notes on some really key points there is, first of all, for networking, it's not a one size fit all like formula, like you have to identify what people need, what they want, and you have to give value without expecting anything in return. Otherwise, you're going to be that parasitic type of person that's asking, asking, asking. So, um, you know, I think that was great advice. And then just at the end of the day, like you said, do good work over a long period of time and be consistent and things are going to work, work themselves out. Um, so we, we talked a lot about the first part of your career and, and, and being a journalist and then getting access to players. And so I want to transition a little bit now to, um, to more of the capologist salary cap type stuff. Like at what point in your journalist career or at what point in, you know, in, in, in the day to day were you like, wow, like I'm getting exposure here to the agent side of things, to why players are being signed, to why they're being cut, to the to, to the salary information. Like, what? Uh, when did you really start getting exposure to that? And then, like, at what point did you realize, okay, this is some some very valuable stuff that I have here? Right. Well, I guess. Um, so, my education on on salary cap, CBA, whatever we want to call it 
uh, player contracts sort of started uh, at the pyramid in Long Beach, which is where summer league used to be before Vegas really became Vegas. And that's where I built a relationship with Larry Kuhn in, in the early days of my career, early 2000s. And he has what's called the CBA FAQ, which is a great document. If you want to learn about the ins and outs of the CBA, it's, um, it's a lot. And it's, you know, it's even that reading that you kind of need like a CBA FAQ for his CBA FAQ. Cause it is, yep. it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of work. And I teach off of that and the CBA as guidelines. So, um, but the motivation for learning that stuff started from writing specifically what I was covering at the time was the two LA teams. And, and there was a bigger market uh, for the Lakers, but Lakers and Clippers. Uh, I wasn't even doing national stuff yet. Now I'm more of a national writer, uh, although I do do more coverage on the Lakers because there's an audience for that and Bleacher loves that, et cetera. So, uh, but the main thing is, is that a fan wants to know, like, how can my team be better how can you know the warriors right now the warriors fans want to know how they're going to be better this year than last they want a title they want to make sure they keep a title everybody else is how do i get a title and maybe if you're the rockets who are going through sort of a youth uh, movement post james harden their fans maybe their focus is on something different than what the bucks would be which is like how do we win right how do we beat the the, the teams that we didn't get through last year how do we get back on top all that kind of stuff that journey for each team is a 365 job for a team. Like it, there is an uh, August is kind of vacationy ish, but even that's like, you know, limited um, maybe, a, maybe a front office will kind of shut down for a couple of weeks in August, give or take. Um, but it's, it's, it's a 11, 11 and a half month job year round from if it starts in July at the start of free agency you have all your signings, you have summer league, and then maybe a quick vacation. And then uh, training camp, you know, start of the season, all the transactions you have to make. Uh, how is your team doing 10, 20, 30, 40 games in as you get to the trade deadline? And you get to, you know, okay, our team is better to be situated as a you know, team going for the lottery and, and rebuilding, or our team needs one piece to get to the championship. So let's make a trade at the deadline. And then there's buyout market and you get to the playoffs and you have the result and then you have the lottery and, you know, then you have the draft and we start over, you know, and I left out little pieces, but that's like the basic idea of the cycle that's going on all the time. And so if you're, you want to know how to get better, there's a, a set of rules that, you know, I liken to the actual set of rules on the court. Like you have all the rules of a basketball game that some are very simple, right? Like how high is the, the rim? Uh, what are the dimensions of a court? Can you run with the ball? No, you got to dribble. Uh, but then it gets vague, right? Because you have like the James Harden kind of step backs and you have like, what's the gather? And we start to get into the grayness of of a simple rule. Like you have to bounce the ball and you can't roll with the ball. Uh, you get into complex rules like block charge, things like, you know, illegal defenses and you, you, like, what are the nuances? And, you know, where should we have uh, overtime, like, not, like uh, rather um, like reviews and whatnot? Like you can go through all the, you know, is it better to be right? or uh, and have more and more and more and more reviews or is it better to just like give the coach one chance to review one mistake and every other mistake we're gonna have to live with you know that's the nuance of the rules within the game well you expand that to everything we talked about about the cycle of the year of an nba team and those rules exist on how you build a team and that's you know the, the rule book is 
functionally for the most part the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, there's other documents. There's like the constitution and bylaws. There's the operations manual. There's stuff that isn't, you know, the, everything that happened with the COVID pandemic and the shutdown isn't in the CBA that those were amended. Those were amendments. So it's, you know, it's a very much a legal system with precedence and all this kind of nuance that I had no idea existed that gradually, you know, just trying to decipher, like I'd hear radio, people in LA and they'd be like, you know, oh, they should trade this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, wait a second. Now that I have this little bit of knowledge as I was just getting started, I'm like, that's not legal. So I try to call into the show and you'd have to wait on hold. And they just don't, they think you're just some, you know, and I say, actually, you can't do that if I got on the air and then whatever. Now I'm at a point where I know most people who do shows and I can text their producer and say, you know, your guy is, you know, off the rails and has no idea what you know, he's talking about. And at this point I've learned like for the most part, radio people don't even care. Like they're just, filling time and having fun for however long they've got to fill. So even if they're talking about something that doesn't, isn't legal there, they don't even care, you know? So like, but for me, I, you know, I obviously care about that. And, um, you know, so that, that's really where um, I realized that there was uh, maybe a, an opportunity. I, I don't, I didn't necessarily look at it as like, Oh, I can do something that others aren't as much as, you know, I understand this stuff when I write about it, I, for whatever reason, people are able to understand complex topics by the way I describe them. And, and mm. I still have to push and pull to get it in language that like for bleacher, we're less of a um, bleach report is less of like a, we're, we're not going to focus on the nuance of the salary cap unless we're writing on specific topics, but generally speaking, that's not our audience. So I have to gear it to the audience where sports business classroom that's very much the very little, the, you know, the detail and all this stuff. So uh, you have to know your audience, but generally speaking, you know, like this is to me just as interesting as the game. I, you know, I am fascinated by things like, you know, understanding how numbers analytics and, and the eye test and how they work, all the things that you can argue about a game, all the, all that fun stuff. But to me, it's equally as interesting what happens off the court. It's all still the same game. It's how you get a Kevin Durant to join a, a Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, right? Like, why did that happen? And there's a long history on why it happened um, with human beings making good and bad decisions along the way that um, are within these, you know, a battle between the players union and the NBA and four, five, 600 players at a time, give or take, if you count two ways. Um, and 30 teams and they all operate with a different uh, mindset and have different drives and desires. What the Golden State Warriors want as a franchise is not what Mem the Memphis Grizzlies want or the New Orleans Pelicans or the Charlotte Hornets um, or even the Milwaukee Bucks who are a contender but are in a very different market. So it's just there's, you know, there's a lot to understand in the rules. And to me, it's it's still the same game. It's just not the 48-minute part. It's the whole cycle of the year for sure and and so once you started to understand the cba and understand the other side of the business um at was there a point at which you were like hey i can almost now become an agent or i can go the front office path or you know did you ever want to shift that like what, what was the reason for or 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 for not wanting to go that path <laughs> i mean it's earlier in my career um you know i might my wife and I had three children. Uh, my wife uh, was a, and still performs, but it was a touring musician. 
uh, a singer. Uh, and so she sacrificed and, you know, this was something that she had chosen to do uh, even before we had met that she you know, was going to get off the road and, and have a family. So we went that route together. She sacrificed that part of my sacrifice was to not travel. Um, so, uh, you know, I, when I worked for the LA times, I did the home games and I did the Clippers. And so I had 82 games if I needed them. But I didn't, you know, maybe I would go to, uh, you know, summer league in Vegas, but generally speaking across the year. Uh, so most of my career, I didn't travel. Now our kids are high school or, you know, I went in college. So um, there's a more flexibility now. Uh, and then I also had a second career at the time up until really uh, about three or four years ago uh, is when I stopped my second career so that I could be in a position. And of course we had the shutdown and pandemic and all that. So, mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't know the exact year, but maybe three or four years ago or at some point along the way, uh, an agent needed help with one of his clients. And I, we just built a relationship from just you know living. And so I helped him uh, navigate a really difficult summer where there was a lot of interest in his player. And when it actually opened up to free agency, all that alleged interest was gone uh, one by one where, you know, it was a, there was a, it was a, high there were a lot of players in that market every free agent market's different sometimes there's a ton of players sometimes there's not sometimes it might be a ton of players at one position that year there happened to be a lot of guys in his position and so uh i was able to help that player get about 80 percent of what their goal was which you know if you're in a negotiation if you get 80 percent of what you want that's actually a really good outcome I, everybody wants 100 in a negotiation, you rarely get hundred. So to get eighty percent, give or take, is was pretty awesome. And to talk to the player at the very end when he was deciding between two different opportunities, uh, and you know to um, you know the player communicating uh, you know how much it meant to his family and how great this was was something that I hadn't experienced before. And it became less of like this academic pursuit of like how does this work? Or as a journalistic pursuit, how do you improve a team? Uh, it became more of a human element. And so I do have um, more experience now over the last few years doing more and more with agents. And I, you know, my, what I, the job of agent is multi-tiered. You obviously know better than I do, but um, part of it is servicing a client and recruiting and making sure you know, that holds less appeal for myself based on what I do. It's also not what I don't have experience doing that. I don't know whether I would be good at that or not, it's not what I've spent 20 years developing, right? Whereas the strategy side of helping a player or multiple players navigate that there, because a player can't know this stuff. Like, they, you know, they can't know the, like a, a Chris Paul or a CJ McCollum, who are the head of the players union, they've been in the league at least nine, 10 years for CJ and much longer for, for, for Chris, you know, they might know the ins and outs, but even they can't like, know the full spectrum of where every team is at in their cycle of, you know, where, where, who is money next year. And they're supposed to be working on their craft and developing to be the best players they can be. And for them, yeah, they have the time to do more because they're incredible, you know, athletes and incredible people. But if you're most players, you're like 20 ish, just trying to get into the league and barely in by a hair, you have a five-year career at best, you know, for most players, you know, there's certainly plenty of 10 year vets, but most guys don't get that much of an opportunity. And so they can't know the stuff that I know. 
And um, not every agent, you know, I found that a lot of agents don't have this kind of background and uh, you know, they're great at the other aspects, the stuff that I don't do. So I do have interest. Um, I have spoken to a few different agencies about working as a strategist and um, you know, I haven't gotten married to anyone yet, but I'm sort of feeling it out. I have had conversations with teams throughout the years. Um, nothing has ever worked right. You know, initially it was more of the location issue with my, you know, sacrificing with family. Now that my kids are a little older, it'd be easier to take a job that wasn't in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, th those jobs are very political. There's, you know, high demand. Um, whether there's an opportunity or not, we'll have to wait and see. Um, every so often I, you know, I flirt with somebody and it's like, it, it is a, I have a handful or so of friends who are in the running for these jobs. And then, you know, maybe they haven't gotten those spots, but if they were to get that spot, I'd probably have an opportunity there. So, um, you know, you just sort of, I, I try to tell our students, like, you know, you, you're not where you want to be yet. You have all these aspirations and dreams. Um, most, most people rarely at any point in their life are like, I'm exactly where I want to be. So I love what I do. I'm having a blast. Like I, I spend every day doing stuff I love to do and I earn enough money to live doing it. So I, you know, but there are other goals. So I have them. It's just a question of picking and choosing very carefully where I put my time, because that, as you get older, you realize is like the most precious commodity you got. You need health, you need, you know, family, friends, whatever, love, whatever it is, but also, you know, if you don't have time to spend it with the family, you know what I mean? It's like, yep. Uh, or if you don't have time, you know, I can only do so many things with so many hours. Even I can work about sometimes 20 hours in a day if I have to, you know, not every day, but there's only so many hours. And so that's really where I'm at right now, budgeting my time. And, and, and I want to, I mean, two points that you made in there are super important for the audience to understand. And we've talked about both of them before. The first one you said a few times on this episode so far is lifestyle. Like, you it's one thing to know what your skill sets are or paths you can go down, but it's another thing to understand like what you want your lifestyle to be. So if you're a player that wants to go get an opportunity and maybe you're not an NBA or G League player and you want to go overseas, you know, and I say, hey, maybe there's an opportunity in the third division or second division here to get your foot in the door, but it pays $500 a month and you have three kids to, to, to feed, maybe that's not your right lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Um and so the second thing, though, that that you said uh, to me previously when we spoke this summer is it's important for you to stay in your lane, right? Like you identified that you're like, hey, I'm good at this and I want to stay in my lane. I realize that I'm not really the right fit or I don't enjoy recruiting and servicing the client, but I know that I have this like skill set. So that's the path you went down. And, and to me, that's like. Uh, it's powerful because there's a lot of people that think they want to be an agent or a scout or a player or whatever it is, but they don't understand like, okay, that seems cool or it seems awesome, but it's not your lane, right? You're much better at something else. And it sounds like that's kind of, you know, I know that's what you guys preach in, um, you know, sports business classroom as well, which is a fantastic transition to this next topic. Mm -hmm. So we, we haven't really dug too much into it. So for the audience members that don't know what SBC is, to tell people what sports business classroom is and like what types of programs you, you teach. Right. Well, uh, I, I mentioned earlier, I got involved with Larry Kuhn in 2016 is when he became basically the general manager of the program. Uh, it's run by uh, Albert Hall and Warren Legary, who are the two gentlemen who created summer league in Vegas. Uh, Warren is an agent who represents uh, front office personnel coaches executives and whatnot. And, and uh, Albert is more of a, a, a producer 
of events, like an event, a sports event producer. Uh, and so together they're, they're a great team, but they put together this program. They had this kind of concept of like, we have everybody in Vegas and we have access to all of these executives. Why aren't we using it to, you know, in, in some way to, um, in this particular way, educate students because there's a demand, um, because, um, at, while there's a huge supply of people and there's a small demand that can be problematic for teams, right? Because so many people want the jobs. How do they find the ones who are actually you know, like qualified, who actually know their stuff and are vetted? And, and so we, we kind of became in a, you know, to a, an extent, an arm of that where uh, we've worked with the NBA. Like we had Adam Silver speak one year. We've had Mark Cuban uh, this most recently. We had Jerry West talk for our program. Our, our, Pilot program is really in Vegas at Summer League every July uh, last year, or I guess this year, but last program was July 10th through the 15th. Uh, and it's in Vegas, you're at Thomas and Mac, and you're in the arena and you're behind the scenes in, in rooms in the bowels of the, of, the, of the arena, but you're also sitting in the stands uh, and you're scouting and you're doing all these things. So we, we, we offer a few different programs within that, like majors. Everybody gets a bit of everything, but then we break off later in the in the in the in the week to uh, your specialization, which is uh, you know salary cap slash CBA, which is myself and Larry. Uh, we do scouting, video, and analytics as a group with um, you know, actual coaches. Dave DeFore has been running it. He's a former student, but he really collaborates. We we you're learning from actual NBA scouts. You might be sitting there with a scout from like I'm just making up a team, but like you might be sitting with like the Minnesota Timberwolves scout one of them and, and watching a game and he's giving you advice and then you're filing a report. Uh, and then we have media and broadcast, which is run by Bo Estes. Who's, uh, you know, the voice of like top 10 plays of the week uh, on NBA TV. Great guy. And, and we have a set in, in the arena where you're doing like post games and, you know, the kind of stuff that you would learn to do broadcast. And, and um, it's really a wonderful program, but uh, beyond like the mechanics of, of what we do, what it's used for is, is, finding great students and we just don't let everybody in you have to apply we we've grown but we still limit it so this last year we, we were like right under 100 like 96 98 something like that and this year and this next year i it, nothing's announced yet they haven't announced the programs as we're still sort of in the in the pre-stages but um the next program maybe we'll get up a little bit above 100 but we really want to cap it because for one the facilities are only so big but I've done other programs, educational things where it's like 1500 people and you're just in a crowd and you're listening to people talk about how they got in the business. And that's great to like, listen to my story about how in the early days of the internet, how I got you know into what I did, but how many people have a time machine and are going to do that? It's like, you know, it's a different path today than it was for me. And also, even if we were doing it at the same time, you would have taken a different path. So, you know, I can't follow Jerry West's path. He spoke to us. It was fascinating, but his path is certainly not my path, right? So you just have to understand, um, like, there's an, there's opportunity. How do you get to that opportunity? And because we've built that relationship with all the different teams and executives and they know our program. So like Tommy Shepard will speak with the Wizards or we've had, you know, Chad Buchanan with the Pacers talk or like Rob Palinka, I think when he was an agent. I don't know if he's spoken when he was a, the GM of the Lakers, but... Um, we've certainly had people with the Lakers as well. So it's just, 
you just go franchise by franchise, almost everyone's been involved on some level. So when they see a resume that says sports business classroom, they're like, oh, okay. They went through the program. Let me go reach out to, you know, let me reach out to Larry. Let me reach out to, you know, to me, or it depends. Like, you know, if you're in the media, people know, like reach out to Bo, what do you think of this kid? And it's like, oh yeah, he's amazing. Or she's amazing, whatever. So um, it it does give you like, I, I personally put a lot of time into it uh, even after. So I have a relationship with, students that carry forward for multiple years now i have like a discord server where we argue all the time 24 7 just arguing basketball um and i you know i help them and they end up with jobs and um you know like not every human that comes across our program is going to get you know employed uh but we have a really high track record and some of it isn't you know again if you just limit yourself like i only want to do this for an nba team you're limiting your opportunity. So um, like Jeff Siegel went through our program. He's with clutch now as a strategist or a capologist. I'm not exactly sure his exact title. Um, you know, there's plenty of people who work for agents or plenty of people who work for G league clubs or for networks, or, you know, it just goes on and on. And some of them are not even in the NBA world specifically, but they're in the sports world that stemmed from this. Uh, and some just, you know, it was a, a life-changing experience that they just love. And, you know, are doing other things all together. But by and large, that that pathway exists because, uh, you know, who's, who founded our program, they have that relationship. You're learning from real experts and it's just a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. It is like the best fun each year. Out of all the things I do, I have more fun doing that. Um, I don't sleep for that. You know, that whole week is like, by the time I'm done, I sleep for, I get home to LA after all that and I need to sleep it off for like a week or two. I'm a mess. But it's it's worthwhile because we put a lot of time even just getting to it to you know, get the program off the ground. Uh, we, we spend months like Larry and I, in the early days of this, we would be at like Laker games and he'd be going through like, this is like four months out or five months out. We'd be going through the schedule of how we, you know, building out a program that we thought would work. So good fun. Um, highly recommend. And I'm happy to answer questions. If anyone reaches out to me privately, uh, you know, I'm really, you know, I can give more information as to why it may or may not be a fit. Yeah, and, and I'll definitely, obviously, when the dates and when that when it's finalized, I'll put the links for it. But, you know, you talked about opportunity, access. I talk about a lot on the podcast and, and, and whenever I speak, how to differentiate yourself. If you're listening to the podcast and you're trying to either, um, you know, get your foot in the door or understand what the path you want to go down, I mean, if that little blurb about SBC didn't get you excited, then I don't know what will. I mean, it's a great opportunity to not only meet new people, network, get a leg up, learn the exact uh, ins and outs of, of, of what's going on, whether you're in that media and broadcast or whether you want to be a scout or, um, you know, a video analytics guy or, 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 or girl or a coach. Um, it's fantastic. Personally, I've taken, uh, I, I've bought the, the um, CBA Mastery online course, um, and that's fantastic as well. So I'll put a link for that. Um, and so I guess while we're on that topic, um, maybe you can share just a little sneak peek, like, for example, maybe uh, a little 101 for, for the audience. Like, if someone's listening and they're, they're like, okay, that sounds cool, but like, what would I learn? Like, maybe you can give a few definitions for us. Like, you know, you'll learn something like what is an exhibit 10 or, right. you know, how does, how does the league calculate the salary cap, right? Like maybe you can kind of touch on a, I don't know, a, a definition or two for, for, for the audience. Well, I mean, the depth of how complex it is, is like, 
when people say like, what's team salary? Like, it depends what team salary you're talking about because you have what's called the floor, which is the minimum that teams need to spend. That's a different number than what the salary cap is. And there's a lot that goes into a salary cap. It's not just take your players that you have, total their salary, subtract it from the cap. So you have 20, 20 million in players and the cap is 100. You don't have 80 million in, in space. You have to account for roster charges. You have to account for your first round pick, even if you haven't signed them. There's all these little detail that you have to worry about. But then there's also the tax line. And that's a different computation because different factors go into that. Uh, and then there's the apron, which is uh, what's called a hard cap, which is only triggered in certain circumstances. But if you have it, uh, different numbers, like uh, in, unlikely incentives. Like uh, I remember when the Lakers had a hard cap, uh, Dennis Schroeder had like one and a half million unlikely incentives. And that went against their hard cap because it could happen. And a hard cap is you can't go over that line. And the fact that if he earned that incentive, they have to account for that. So just understanding that like there's so many little details that are just super complex, you know, like an exhibit 10 is fascinating because um, like we just went through the last month and I haven't counted yet. I've got it. I've got the number. I don't have it in my head. I'm still crunching the last few exhibit tens, but you know, maybe 200, I don't know, maybe more. So 30 teams, probably like six each, give or take, I don't know, maybe more, maybe, maybe it's higher than that. And um uh, what those are, are just training camp contracts that theoretically give a bonus anywhere from 5,000 to 50,000 to play in the G league for up to basically two months, like 60 days. And you get that bonus. Uh, and it's basically, cause when you go to the G league, unless you're on a two way contract, any team can sign you. You're not, a, you're not beholden to that team, but you are beholden to that team for, for that 50 K up to 50 K. So you're, you, unless you have a great, opportunity you're going to want to at least you know stick around um and so you know there's there's a lot that goes into all that um we try to teach as much of it as we can without like overwhelming uh students because it, you know it is and, and we do some in a general session where everybody's learning and that's more of like uh you know what's the big picture like what's the life cycle of a player and their career or what's the life cycle as we talked about earlier of a team over the course of a year. So we'll focus on that for the scouting video people and the media people. So they'll get a taste of it. And then we, in the second part of, you know, the last day or two of the pro well, second, to last day or two of the program, we do deep dives into the actual salary cap where now we're showing the actual exhibits. There's 10 exhibits. What do they all mean? Um, what are all these, you know, what can you get out of it? What, what are you looking to learn so that you can provide value? Um, because it's, you know, there's the mechanics of learning the rules. Great. And that's easier, but analyzing what those rules act or, or what the contracts or what some a team's books, what, what can you take from that? When you look at that, not everyone's going to see the same thing. What are you seeing that can tell us like I had reported, I had heard that Cam Johnson was not going to extend. There was an extension deadline the other day. He didn't extend. And I was able to, you know, I had an agent call me up and say like, what do you think is going to happen here? And I gave him my logic, what I, my Intel and why, and it didn't happen. And so I like to be right. So I root to be right. And um, you know, that some of that comes, some of it comes from the numbers. Some of it comes from, you know, there's also interpersonal relations and getting Intel, but um, it's also helps to parse the Intel that you get uh, because you, you know, some people give you Intel where they don't really know the rules fully and what they're giving you is uh, incorrect, but you can't throw it out because they might've heard something. They just don't know how to interpret it. So you have to like 
okay, there's something here I need to dig into a little further because this person, you know, doesn't have like the, the full picture, but um, our, our, our goal is to kind of give that sort of education on the mechanics. And then as someone develops, then, you know, you, you start to, and, and we do have a big program that helps with the, the strategy part, which is like a mock trade deadline, which is like the most fun you'll ever have. We break everyone into teams and we had 16 teams uh, of about five or six and they do analysis and have a midterm uh, presenting what they're, what they plan to do. And then they actually get into like a two, I think it was like a four hour window, which is like a mock actual trade deadline. And then they execute transactions. And then the last day you, you present the, in front of your, your peers and, uh, and then you get judged and we have our top three teams that are judging on the presentation, but more importantly, the basketball. So we're trying to give that strategy and apply it more than just the mechanics. Um, it is a crazy week, but, um, you know, I, like I said, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. For sure. I mean, if, yeah, if, if, if you're not sold on that yet, I mean, look, if, if you're looking to find the information, source the information network and, and do deep dives on a potential career path. Obviously, uh, you know, you just shared it's just a little tiny piece of the iceberg there, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a phenomenal program. So I'll make sure to put the links in there and, and obviously give, you know, your contact information. If someone wants to reach out one, one last question about the CBA that I had um, is I remember, I remember obviously doing, like I said, you know, the, the um, online mastery course and just really diving into the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages. And so I found it really interesting that just every once in a while I'll come up with some, some random rule or some random like piece of, of, of article that's like, well, that's really interesting. And so for me, it was, you know, I went into it thinking, well, it's going to be all salary and how you do a trade. And then I came across something that, um, you know, like an article 29, it talks about, um, you know, how many tickets players are allowed at certain right, games. Right. Like, it's really interesting. So, so what's, uh, do you have a favorite like strange or weird or, or funny, I don't know, CBA rule that, that, that you go to? Um, I, I don't know about CBA. I know that they the operations manual has like some really crazy stuff. They like, you can't bring a, was a Vuvuzela or whatever you call it. Those, those like ah. Brazilian can't, can't bring that into games. Uh, they used to have, and this changed in recent updates. I forget the exact year, but they used to have a prescribed list of like, a dozen songs that were allowed to be played while the road team was on offense. Okay. So your home team is on defense. You could play like a defense, you know, defense, right. They, but there was like, you could play the Mexican hat dance was literally in the operations manual. Like there would be like a list of songs. They've loosened that for whatever reason. So I think there are guidelines, but it's not like by title of like, you know, specific songs. So you'd be like, if, if you were paying attention, you've done this long enough, you'd be like, why do they play the same number of songs when the team's on defense? Like they can play stuff on offense. It doesn't matter. But when the rotation, so, anyway, that's like, but I mean, that's like, hilarious. There, there was, you know, I've been doing the people say like, you know, how'd you become an expert on, you know, to me, I'm still learning where like there, there's two or three rules that I came across this summer that were like, Oh, I didn't know that. And it, it, something like crazy, like, um, like Melvin Frazier Jr. was he did not he didn't actually resign, but he was with the Thunder, uh, I believe on a two-way, finished his rookie contract with early bird rights. So how many years does it take to get early bird rights? It takes two years to get early bird rights. What is a rookie, a player who's finishing their first year, right? Or in their first year. So how could someone who just finished their first year have the kind of rights that you need two years to get? 
And you look at the definitions within the CBA and you start piecing it together. And it's like, oh, wow, it's fascinating. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you know the meme of like from It's Always Sunny, which is the Pepe Silvia meme, which is Charlie Day, like, you know, why, you know, it, it's a conspiracy map of like wires and, you know, like things linked as like crazy, right? Like if reading the CBA can be like that, where you're like, this is the part and this is the definition. So you get the definition from somewhere else and you plug it in, but in the definition, it cites another clause. So you have to look at what that clause says. And then that clause has some definitions. And so like, and there's but, an exception to that. And then, you right. Go so, it, it, you know, but the, the, the answer is, is like the actual definition says that like rights in so many words, rights accrue based on a, a player being with the team from training camp to the last day of the regular season. Right. So that's the last day you can sign someone, April 8th or 9th or whatever it is this year. Uh, the season starts today when we're recording this, which is the 18th. But training camp started around whatever, around the first, a little bit before the first, but let's say October 1st. So if you were in training camp, so Melvin Frazier Jr. went to, or is it Marvin? Marvin or Melvin? Well, whatever. Frazier Jr. went to training camp with the Thunder a couple of years ago, then was cut played a year in the G league with their team, didn't sign with any other team, came back, went to training camp, made the team on a two way, finished his two way. But because he'd been at training camp the year prior, he had early bird rights, even though he's technically was still a rookie. So I'm like, I've been doing this for however long I've been doing it to not really know that that was a thing. It's like, it's a little humbling at the same time. It's like part of the job. It's like, there's always something you can't get so cocky that you're like, I know everything. And so people are like, oh, you know everything about this. I'm like, no, I I don't. I don't pretend to. And if, if you think you do, then you're deluding yourself because even like NBA teams, they make transactions that are illegal and the league rejects uh, because they're, you know, like there's there's been a few embarrassing ones for teams over the last handful of years that I, you know, we won't cite right now. But even like this year, there were a couple of transactions where some contracts were voided because they were signed uh, exhibit tens were signed uh, too early. You have to have, uh, I think it was a 14 players on your roster before you can do an exhibit 10 and they, a team had 12. And so those contracts were kicked back and they signed two more players and then re-signed the players to the same contract. So it's like, this is a, a difficult, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, is a ref going to blow a call kind of thing or not even blow a call, but like there are times where a coach doesn't understand a rule and argue something. And then on the, on the, you know, whatever the broadcast, they're like, actually, you know, or they'll have like the, the official you're watching one of the networks and they go to one of the former officials who's like commentary and he's explaining why the coach is wrong with the rules. It's like, does that mean he's a bad coach? Of course not. It's like, this is, uh, it's just, it's, it's a complex world. It's a lot, a lot of, it's a complex business and the rules are, are, you know, that's the fun. If it was so easy as just looking at a box score, and it was just blank. It was like, this is who won. This is who lost. It'd be easy, but there's so much more that goes into it. So good fun. If it was, e if it was easy, everyone would be uh, uh, GMs or everyone would be NBA players, but it's not. So I love exactly. that. Well, man, we, we've been jumping around all over the place to, to kind of start to wrap up here. Uh, I like to ask my guests um, to share a piece of advice for anyone who's listening that might want to. And I, and I know you've shared a lot already. Um, and besides actually uh, signing up for SBC, because that's something that people need to do. But if, for someone that wants to break into the business of MBA, what's like a, you know, maybe for someone in college right now or a younger guy or girl, like what's a piece of advice that you have for them to maybe take step one into learning or networking or, or step one towards a job, a future job in the MBA? 
Right. I mean, there's no like set path. Obviously, I recommend getting around people, understanding the networking aspect of it, uh, which is, you know, there's the benefit of SBC where you're you're putting yourself in the best position uh, because you are going to be around people who can you know, build that network. You can get started on that network. But again, you you just show up and you're not bringing anything and you're just learning from scratch. It's going to be harder to place you or to find a you kind of have to. You know, I wish I could say it's like, don't work crazy hours trying to learn as much as you can, but that's really what it is. It's like, I don't know the whole 10,000 hours thing, but it's like, I put in so much time that, um, you know, I remember details that I, you know, I shouldn't like, what was it? Uh, Jonathan Williams. Someone was asking like, uh, there was a, about, about a player who got hurt and uh, you know, they didn't have the rules of exhibit nine, which is basically a $6,000 liability limit. And the Lakers were unhooked for the entire year's worth of, and so there was something that came up that we, you know, I was, you know, someone got hurt on, on an exhibit 10, the liability will only be 6,000. And someone was asking, well, you know, what's an example? And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, the fact that I can remember something like that, it comes from doing it for so long and like being diligent and just working hard. Um, keeping good records, staying organized. Um, there's so many little things like you know, be kind to people, um, find a way to follow through. So like I wasn't good early on at like making appointments when I was young, like, you know, just, you know, like as a teenager, you know, early, like um, obviously technology helps that now. So like I text myself constantly, just like, you know, I have to see it. I have to put it in my calendar. Otherwise I'm going to get caught up in all the stuff I'm doing. So little things about diligence, um, but you have to be great at what you do. It takes years to do that. Um, you know, I, I try to tell students not to be too hard on themselves that they aren't where they want to be yet. Because as I mentioned earlier, even when you're in 10 to 20 years, usually you're not fully where you want to be because, you know, if you are, you're complacent to an extent. So, um, you know, try not to be hard on yourself as you grow. Um, there's, a lot of competition. So because of that, be prepared and, you know, put yourself out of your comfort zone of like, you know, it's hard for you to make conversation with other people. Okay. Work on it. It's a skill. It's, it's, you know, if, if you're not a good ball handler, right, you're a good shooter, but you're not a good ball handler. You work on ball handling drills in the off season so that, you know, at least, you know, maybe you won't be Trey young or, or like, you know, Steph Curry, with ball handling, but at least when you get the ball, the coach isn't going to cringe. If you dribble, you know, there are players who like, you know, I don't want you ever dribbling. You know what I mean? It's like, not everyone's going to be great at everything. We talked about that. Uh, some people are better at being good at a lot of things, but not great at anything. And some people are great at specializing. You just kind of got to find your own ways. So, I mean, there's, there's a million things to say other than um, just try not to be so hard on yourself along the way. That's, that's probably my that's biggest piece of advice. Amazing, amazing piece of advice, man. Well, the very last thing I have for you is what I call a sports business lightning round. I didn't prep you for this. I just throw a handful of questions at you. You got to give me the first word or first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, okay. here we go. What's your favorite color? Uh, we'll go purple. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Uh, I mean, I prefer coffee. I don't really drink coffee. I don't prefer either much, but I'll drink coffee over tea. Pizza or pasta? Uh, well, I'd love to put pasta on pizza. I can't do that as much as I like. That is really good. Chicken Parmesan on pizza is crazy good, but I'll go pizza if I have to choose between the two. 
I can't eat like that anymore, you know, but like, you know, especially if you're, if you're 20 and you have a metabolism to do it, try like chicken Parmesan on a slice of pizza. I love it. Would you rather be able to speak to all animals or speak three languages fluently? Oh, I mean, it's much more practical to be able to speak three languages. fluently. I live in LA. I wish I could speak Spanish better than my like, you know, very poor rudimentary high school education, which is not great. Like many other Americans, I'm learning. I'm I'm learning right now. Hablo un poquito español. What is one of your biggest strength? Uh, biggest strengths? Um. Oof. I mean, I. I mean, I probably you know among other things, why you know I work hard. I mean, that's ultimately you know probably the reason why I'm successful. What's your favorite country outside of the one you're in now? I've never left the countries. The one thing that. Is, we uh, gotta, man, we gotta get you on a trip, man. We're gonna have sports business classroom in in uh, in Barcelona next year. Yeah, it's I I've been to the uh, New York side of Niagara Falls, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to New Mexico, uh, I've been to Florida. You know, like I've been all around America. I've seen, I've been to at least you know thirty something, almost forty states. But um, you know, it's one of those things that I put off uh, because I've been you know raising a family. And uh, I've been building a, a second career. Uh, but yeah, no. So I, I don't know the answer to that question. So uh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, who was one of the first people to really believe in you? Oh, I mean, you know, certainly my folks. Right. So I, you know, that that helps. Uh, you know, not everyone's you know fortunate to have like a, a very stable uh, support network from the family, but it certainly helps. And um, if, you know, for those who, who didn't have that, you know, if you can get to that place where you have a family, this, it's like the best gift is to, you know, to experience that when you didn't have that. Um, so I have, I've, you know, without getting into detail, it's, it's great to see, you know, when that can happen, when you can build that kind of family network from where it didn't exist. Love that. What is one of your biggest fears? Uh, biggest fears? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, that, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in fear. I don't know. That's a great question because I don't know if I, I don't know if I, um, I mean, I, I have more nightmares than I'd rather live. I'd rather, what was it? I, I, I'd rather have nightmares and, and, and have my fears exist in nightmares than actual in life. And so, um, I like that answer. I've, I've been pretty fortunate, but I mean, I'm, you know, I used to be afraid of dogs when I was a kid. So I don't know. I, I used to, I have a dog now, but she's tiny. So <laughs> cool. That, that, that's a, that's a solid answer. And two more, if you could have dinner and drinks with anyone in the world that are alive, who's the first person that comes to your mind? Oh, uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I, I'd be happy to just get a night out on the town with my wife, to be honest. Uh, so I'll take that. Love, love that answer. And then last one here, if you could turn back time and talk to 18 year old Eric, what's one sentence you'd tell him real quickly. Oof. Uh, um, I mean, you know, I don't know if there's, a, you know, it, it, Propecia or something like that, but, uh, you know, other, other than that, I don't know. Propecia was like a, a pill to help you prevent hair loss. But other than that, I mean, um, no, I mean, you can only learn by experiencing. So there's, you know, what someone tells you, you even everything you've heard me say, if you, if you've gotten anything out of it, great, but you still need to go experience life. So there's, you know, go out and experience life is, is, you know, which, which is what I've been fortunate to do. So that's Man, amazing. Carry on. Amazing. I, I love it. I love it. Well, this has been outstanding. I, uh, 
I'm super excited for people to uh, to learn from this episode. I'll obviously put the links down uh, in the uh, in the caption and everything. So I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to check out a game with you here, hopefully sometime this season. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All righty. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed the episode or if it brought you any value at all, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you share it on social media, make sure you tag me at Kevin Tarka. If there are any topics that you want me to dive into or any guests you'd love for me to have on the show, just shoot me a message and I will do my best to make it happen. Have an amazing day and hope to see you back here soon.